0: Welcome, movie fans. Thanks for joining us for episode 83 of Reading Between the Reels, your premier podcast for discussion on unnecessary CGI sunsets. If you're a new listener, we're glad you found us. And if you've been enjoying the show, please tell someone about us. Post on X, formerly known as Twitter or Facebook, write a review on your favorite podcast catcher, or just recommend the show to a friend. I'm Justin Eldon, and I'd like to introduce my man, Craig Dickinson. What's up, Justin? That was fantastic. Um, Thank you. I was really excited for that CGI sunset joke. I I Uh, was just... It was worth the wait. Yeah. 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 Uh, So, uh, yeah. uh, um, this week we are, like I said, doing uh, Aquaman, which is just going to be great because it's such a good movie. It is a good someone, movie. Someone thinks that somewhere. Uh, and we're going to dive in and try and find a deeper meaning, if there is any at all. If you can tell, I'm not super stoked about this movie, but here we are. Craig, let's start yes. with some positive thoughts,
1: overall thoughts in the movie. Okay, I, I'm going to get to that in just a second. I do want to address uh, a couple of elephants... Uh, that may or may not be in the room. One is uh, we're down a to Corey tonight and you uh, should be back next time. Yeah, it's just going to be Justin and I flying tonight. Uh, and also, I also wanted to address that quickly that we originally planned to release a Mission Impossible episode with David Jesse uh, last week, but uh, we're going to go ahead and bump that into the spring. So if you were waiting for that episode, sorry, you're going to have to wait a little bit longer. It will be worth it, I promise. Um, I but feel yeah. like
0: We're doing this a disservice because part of my beef with this movie is the fake gingers that appear throughout. (laughs) And without Corey here to defend his hair color,
1: like what is there to be done? Yes, he's with us in spirit, of course. Okay. Okay, Aquaman. I love this movie. It it, It is a great popcorn movie. It is absolutely fun. It knows what it is. Uh, I think that it is a beautiful movie, even if it is mostly CGI. It's underwater. There's gorgeous underwater vistas. The architecture is fantastic. Uh, and really, my only, the only not really even complaint, but my only uh, thing to comment on is that there are not one, not two, not three, but four different explosions that break into dialogue scenes. and And that's maybe a little bit of a flaw in the storytelling. You know, when conversations uh, linger a little bit too long, you you bring in the action scenes. But other than that, Justin, I I thoroughly enjoyed watching it this time. And um, I'm also excited when I see movies that are in a larger structure like the DCEU or the MCU that basically can stand on their own and don't feel like they always have to build up the next film or depends heavily on the previous film. This one pretty much stands on its own. And I'm legitimately excited for the second movie, which is due this week, and I know it's the end of the DCEU, but I don't think that's going to affect my enjoyment of that film because it kind of just exists in its own universe anyway. Okay. Uh,
0: <laughs> I disagree with almost all of that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Excellent.
0: Um, There were definitely parts of this movie... Okay, so I've seen this movie three times now. Once, when it originally came out, and I hated it with all my soul. Uh, the second time was in preparation for this podcast, and I hated it again. And Craig and I, through our various conversations while preparing for this podcast, he was still so insistent that it is a good movie, and I tend to trust Craig's opinion on most things. Um so I watched it a third time and I hated it slightly less. But boy do I have issues. I it's took a more endorsement. Notes. Yeah. I took more notes on this movie than I have any movie that we have ever done on this podcast so far. Um and it's I think I think my biggest beef with it and you're probably going to hear me harp a lot on the excessive and in- unnecessary use of CGI and just bad CGI, bad, unnecessary, excessive. I'm going to talk about that a lot. Uh, but I think overall it is just a general inconsistency of this movie. Like it doesn't know what it wants to be cinematically, thematically, uh, character, like dialogue, the writing, the score, which I overall really enjoyed, but it was kind of all over the place tonally like every every movie word you can think of I I just like I don't know I don't know and I don't know if that is from the editing from the writing there was just so much like what are we doing here guys what what is our what is our goal what what's going on but um yeah it has its good parts um Jason Momoa I really think does the absolute best he can with what is given to him. I mean, just Aquaman in general. Like, how do you make Aquaman cool? Well, you put Jason Momoa in there, first off. But then, I, it's, it's, a, it's a tough hill to climb. Oh, I just... Uh, <laughs> I bought the movie to watch for this podcast, and
1: I'm mad. I'm mad oh, I spent
0: that money. Mad. Oh,
1: Justin. Yeah. Hmm. We're going we're gonna to agree to disagree a lot on this episode. Okay. Which is, which okay. is fine. Because we, we talked off mic, too, about how I said, this is basically like the Thor Ragnarok of, of the DCU. And you're like, yeah, I get that. And I don't like that either. Or I'm just yeah. quoting you.
0: No, that's, that's basically what it is. And maybe that's where I'm coming from, is I, I like my comic book movies to be more on the side of uh, the Christopher Nolan Batmans, like more mm. grounded in reality. And the more it strays from reality, uh, the more I have issue with it. Not always. Like, I do like a little bit of strain because I I think that's where the fun part is, like, add in some superhumans or, or mutants or whatever it may be. But for the most part, I like it to be fairly grounded because that's a world where, like, my brain understands and you don't have to explain little bits of it. For example, uh, this mostly takes place underwater mm-hmm. uh, in a civilization that we are not privy to and politics we are not privy to. Um, and they just don't have enough time to explain the mechanics of all that in a satisfying way. So I was left feeling uh, hollow and empty inside. Like, explain <laughs> explain to me more the the politics of these seven kingdoms in the Atlantic. I want, I want to know more about that. Um, I don't know. It's just like it had so much world to build, and it didn't want to, if that makes sense. I'm so sorry, Justin. It's okay. It's okay, I, Craig. I, I, I still appreciate your opinion, just
1: less so. <laughs> I, like, you know, I like different types of movies. This just happened to be one that just struck me as just being fun and goofy. And I yeah. think... I think it does know what it is i I, I guess I, I get where you're saying that there are moments of um hyper realism and then there's moments of straight up comedy and that 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 can be a bit jarring if that's not what you're in the mood for or if you just you know maybe it just doesn't strike you as fitting together i I get where you're coming from I can probably I can think of certain scenes that might feel like it's in a slightly different movie
0: yeah and i well, I guess we we can get into like the cinematography because that's kind of where like this this conversation is leading. Um, in watching it this time around and like kind of like an eye looking out for the things we wanted to discuss in this podcast, a lot of it, like the the color in particular, like very bright, very vibrant colors. Um, actually, uh, when they're in, I, I don't remember the Italian city that they're in, but that coastal Italian city, yeah. Especially when they're in there, it is like very bright and just very like colors pop. Um but almost to the point where it's like distracting from the narrative. It's it's almost like the the narrative wasn't there enough, so they're like, "You know what? Let's turn that saturation up to 11. Maybe we can get people to like it based solely on the saturation." And it's almost like once I noticed that I I couldn't notice anything else and everything else was just like fell short because I felt like they were just trying to pump it up through the color and like the general composition. And while a lot of it was really cool, especially like in in Atlantis itself, you got to see like, you know, the city and all the colors and like the jellyfish that like had like the bioluminescent lights reflecting all throughout the city. It just was not it was like visually appealing in a lot of ways, but it just it almost sh- showed me how little substance was actually there, if that makes sense.
1: Uh, well, I like the cinematography, Justin. I know. Um, I had some things that I pulled out that I, that I want to bring attention to. And I've always liked the shot of Arthur and Mira diving down to escape the swirling masses of the trench when they go to that super wide shot when he's yeah. got the red flare. Yeah. Uh, I think that's just a great shot. I just love shots where they just show you this sense of scale Um, where you can see just how many of them there are. I just thought that was just kind of a cool, uh, cool-looking shot. That was um, really cool. I, I like the uh, that final battle. I know that people freak out. Either they love it or hate the final battle where the, the Karothan shows up and it's just freaking huge, but... I'm like it's the Lord of the Rings underwater. Uh, uh, that's great. They're just like literally everything is in that that scene. I, I think it's
0: fantastic. But yeah, um, everything which I would categorize as visual clutter.
1: That's <laughs> that's what that felt like.
0: No, it's amazing. It's so good. No, it's, so it's
1: just
0: no. Mm, okay. Okay. Well, the fight
1: scenes. Let's. Yeah, what about the fight scenes? You gotta like the fight scenes, right? The uh, like the no, swirling around camera. that starts with Atlanta. Just. Trash in Arthur or Thomas Curry's house at the beginning. And yeah, the camera pans over the top and then swings around. You don't you don't like that? So I thought it was shot well. And maybe I'm focusing
0: on the wrong elements for this podcast. But I... Okay, so the fight scene, the Ring of Fire fight scene, right? Is yeah. that what that was called? Oh,
1: that's, that's a later one. That's when he's that, fighting. That is a
0: later one. Uh, yeah, you're talking fighting about his the one
1: brother. In the house. Yeah, there, there's several of them that are shot... In a similar way, where it's, and this is what I, I mainly had for, um, that the underwater scenes are on multiple axes. Like, there is no where the camera's not going to go. It's over the top, it's around, it's diagonal. You're going to get every angle that you've, and possibly new angles you haven't seen in particular fights until John Wick yeah. comes along.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I thought I thought that
0: was great. the The action scenes were intense without doing too much. Of the old shaky cam, so you could still kind of tell what was going on, but it mm-hmm. it kept it visually appealing. Yes. Yeah. I'd
1: agree like with that. Like that, the opening, I, know, I think everybody enjoys the opening scene with with Arthur going through the sub. I mean, that's seems to be a, a big crowd pleaser. That I, was
0: we, the highlight of the film. It's only <laughs> downhill after that.
1: Oh my gosh, it, it's
0: only uphill from there for me. I just love like, that so Like, give me more of that. That's like... It, he, That's like grounded. I I
1: like that. Mm. Punches that Mm -hmm. guy and then the camera rotates 90 degrees to follow him to the ground. I just thought that was fantastic. Um,
0: It was reminiscent for me of the, I see Corey needs to be here, of the Batman warehouse scene. When Batman like (laughs) chucks that guy's face into the ground and you just see it like splinter into the wood. Yes. Uh, Listeners, this is the point where Corey would mention that that warehouse scene is the best. Batman fight scene I, ever I
1: was you thought I was kidding when I said he was here in spirit no he's absolutely here yeah I'm surprised uh,
0: actually didn't that didn't summon Corey. that yeah. usually
1: usually pops up when you say that <laughs> dude the, what about the the wide shot a mirror running across the top of the sicilian rooftops and the camera's swinging around over that and it goes from from her scene with the the soldiers to You've got the pulse back, and then you got Arthur and the Black Manta fighting together. Like, it's just, it's not edited. It's just, it's it's one continuous shot. And I just, I love that stuff. Yeah,
0: it was cool looking, but it was a completely unnecessary chase scene. I think, it was cool for the sake of cool. It didn't even make yeah, sense. That's She's what like, this hey, movie is, dude. I can totally beat all these guys up without too much issue. But you know what? I'm just going to run away for whatever reason. She has to have water available to do it not understand There's that. no pipes or water in this city. They not, established it, that there's
1: water in the toilets. We don't want to see toilet water floating and killing guys, dude. We don't want to see that. That would That's, have
0: been hilarious. The guy later sticks his face in a toilet. That's great.
1: <laughs> yes, that, that is pretty great. Um. Okay. All right, all right. Anything else that you like? Anything you liked at all in the cinematography, Justin? That, I mean, you um, mentioned a few things, but... <sighs> No, (laughs) it's just struggling. I I just like how dynamic it is. Like it just it's always moving. And I just that kept me interested. I thought that was great. And I thought the the bright and vibrant colors of Atlantis were beautiful. And it's not it, you know, for people that don't like the desaturated look of the earlier Snyder films, it's not that. It's quite opposite that. It's got a totally different color palette. Um but still fits enough for me. It is, uh, like I said,
0: just like visually cluttered. Oh. Um, I couldn't help but draw like visual parallels though, obviously because they're both underwater civilizations, between this and Black Panther 2. The the underwater civilization yeah. from that film. And I would say that one almost took the opposite approach, where that one was way too dark. Absolutely. and And like just drab and boring. I would, if given the option, take the Aquaman approach. But still, it was just like it's hard to like give a sense of world building through the colors and the set pieces or the CGI set pieces. Are, the, are those still considered set pieces? I don't Absolutely. know. Absolutely, sure. Uh, it's hard to to do that if it's just so distracting constantly. Like you you're, you don't know where to
1: draw your eye. If that makes sense. Mm. See that what a um, second viewing, second and a third and a fourth and the seventh viewing. <sighs> I don't want to have to watch a
0: movie seven times in order to like it. I want to like it the first viewing and then watch it seven times. I'll definitely no. do that. But well, I liked it. All the I times. I do agree. I think that shot where they were going down into the trench, um, with all of the, the creatures like swirling around while he has yeah. the, the flare was really really cool looking.
1: Um, Looks like a painting.
0: Yeah, uh, and it really stood out it was quite the anomaly, which is why I noticed it because I think the rest was so bad. (laughs) (laughs) It just, it just, it had no consistency. It was just the, it was just all over the place, uh, color wise and cinematically. I just don't feel like I could could figure it out.
1: (laughs) Oh man. That's so this is, uh, Don Burgess is the cinematographer. And since you trashed him, I'm going to pull him out and pull out his. This is what he's done. Okay. He did, he did the original Spider Man. You can kind of see that. Okay. Um, and he did several movies for Robert Zemeckis, including Forrest Gump, Contact, What Lies Beneath, Castaway. Um, he also did Terminator 3. Mm-hmm. Um, and since you liked him so much for this one, he's back for the second one. So if you like Doc Man 1 and the way it looked, you're in good shape. If you did not, then I guess, like Justin, you're probably dreading. So is what I'm
0: hearing is that he did a great job on movies before CGI was a big thing. (laughs) That's, that's what I heard.
1: Well, I mean, he's, we're talking more lighting and setting up shots than the actual
0: CGI stuff. Probably. I mean, how much though, like how much say you, you would know more about this background. Maybe you can explain this to our listeners. How much setting up of a shot and lighting goes into a CGI shot? How much does control would he
1: have over that? That, Yeah, see, that's a good question. I mean, there's clearly a lot of setup that goes into that. How directly involved the main director of photography would be in those? Yeah, like I always wonder how much are these guys? Yeah, how much crossover and communication do these guys have one with another? I'm thinking he's doing more of the live action, like what the actors look like. Oh. That type of stuff.
0: See, and there there were a lot of scenes because so I went into this movie with the mindset of, and I know I mentioned this at the start, but the mindset of Craig likes this movie. I'm gonna give it another shot. I'm gonna give it another shot. And like I said, that sub scene at the beginning was so great. There was so little, if any, I'm sure there was some CGI sure. in, in that opening scene where he boards the sub. I thought the lighting was good, the camera angles were good, it was just it was it was fantastic. And then you get the CGI in there that now, I think I said the Flash looked like it was PlayStation 2 cutscene graphics. This was like a PlayStation 3 cutscene graphics. So it was better
1: than, say, the Flash, but it still I will still agree it was, was better not- than the Flash, but uh, that, yeah, I don't have any issues with it. Okay, I, let's talk about the sound, because it's not cinematography, See? and mainly. And um, yeah, I, the, you didn't like the score, which I loved the score. I thought no, it was fantastic. No, I loved fantastic. the score. I thought the oh, score okay. was great. Oh, I thought you said you didn't like it. You thought it was inconsistent.
0: I, I do think it's inconsistent, but okay. I enjoyed every part of the inconsistent score. <laughs> okay. I just wish they would have stuck with one of them.
1: Okay. Yeah. So yeah, Rupert Gregson Williams, uh, who also did the Wonder Woman music, the original one, Hans Zimmer did 84. Um, there's a couple of different styles, I think. Maybe this is what you're looking like that I noticed. I mean, you've got um kind of the traditional symphonic score is kind of epic and majestic especially the main Aquaman theme which we hear repeated and then he also has kind of goes into like electronica a little bit when like they yeah. go into Atlantis yeah which I took it's I, like it's kind of otherworldly and also kind of fits the neon almost like a rave type of yeah. theme that's kind of what I was pulling from that I liked that a lot cuz so I
0: I don't know where that trend started but or i guess i don't know where that trend reemerged because like stranger things like the intro of stranger things sure. is, is pretty famous for like the the synth and like that 80s sound mm-hmm. and i and i i this is doing that and i and i like that i thought that was awesome
1: i would have loved more of that yeah but but yeah. alas yeah um and also i was going to mention um that there's actually some rock guitar in there too a couple of times mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. Like in that sub scene, there's a couple of riffs, and like, yeah, Mom- because Momo a rock star, man. It's like that's yeah. the vibe he's definitely putting off. And, um, I also noticed there's also something called King Orm's theme, which has a heavy synth bass to it and then drums, and it's very ominous and powerful. Every time you see mm-hmm. Orm comes on screen, so I thought that's cool. That anytime I see motif used, I'm always very excited about that. Black Manta, too, I thought had, mm-hmm. um,
0: I don't remember what it even sounds like right now, but it almost reminded me a little bit of Superman's, uh, like two note bass sounding theme, Hmm. which again is, I can't, I can't recall it. I can't do that with music, but,
1: uh, I thought, yeah, black mantis theme
0: was awesome as well.
1: Yeah. Agreed. Um, one thing I will say as a kid that grew up in the eighties and grew up with super friends, hearing the like oscillating talk to fish sound, um, uh, even starting in the beginning when little Aquaman's talking to like the sharks and the and stuff in the Aqua Aquarium was like Aqua Boy. Aqua Boy. This is so cool <laughs> that they're doing that sound. They leaned into it, because you didn't get that in in Justice League in his no. earlier I mean there was really not an opportunity for him to do that. I suppose so I guess but, I just assumed that was like a sonar sound,
0: but that's a callback to the super friends. Oh yeah.
1: Very much. Oh, and there would be like it? you could see like concentric rings coming out of his head or whatever and um, today i learned okay yes it was out of his hands or whatnot it was so to get to see that on screen the, the marine telepathy thing was was pretty great i thought and then that's also kind of there's a similar sound but the atlantean tech has kind of an oscillating sound too so i thought that was kind of a hey this is underwater technology ish thing happening um lots of uh lots of pop music in this movie as well How did you feel about the pop music in this movie? Did that take you out? I mean, it's. There's a thing that kind of like came to the forefront with like Guardians of the Galaxy, like needle drops was kind of like the resurgence of that. Yeah, I don't think it really
0: took me out of anything, and I think it definitely helped like create tone quite a bit, like almost express what the actors weren't expressing through words or Mm -hmm. um, their acting, especially in I forget the name of the song. Craig, help me out, but. As they're entering that Italian coastal city,
1: what song yes. is that? Would you even know when they're like walking around, or when they're coming out yeah. of the beach?
0: Oh, yeah. So uh, it's Roy,
1: Roy Orbison's "She's a Mystery" to me. That one.
0: Yep. Mm-hmm. That one in particular. Right. I'm like, okay, yeah. This is the first time I don't hate Mara, and I yeah. think it was.
1: I think it was the song. Well done, manipulation of emotion. <laughs> exactly. And yes, I mean that's talking about elephants in the room. Like, yes, Amber Heard is in this movie, and. I think she's charming in this movie. I mean, and again, going back to the you know emotional manipulation with the music, like I think you get to see her kind of babe in the woods, fish out of water, literally. Um, <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, but her just kind of being disarmed in that way, I think was was a smart move because she comes across as kind of abrasive um, when she's first introduced, and there you get to see her kind of just goofy a little bit, but then she's also kind and generous too, so Um, yeah, yes, that that song is definitely standing in for, hey, Arthur's looking at her in a different way I think Amber Heard in this was one of my biggest issues, not
0: for who she is as a person regardless of what side you're on with the Johnny Depp, Amber Heard stuff you're probably on Johnny Depp's side I think like 90% of the people are I'm on the um, side of the
1: truth, Justin
0: okay, yeah, (laughs) alright so uh, I'm gonna separate the artist from the art, but um, as we I often did, have to do. yeah I did not like her in this. i I felt like when we talk about inconsistencies, her character was the most inconsistent. like she was sharp and strong, but she was also like naive and and silly, but also witty, but also boss lady. like oh my goodness, p- pick a lane, Mara.
1: She's got layers, man. yeah uh, it's just it's not layers it's just Bad writing. Oh. Oh, I thought that was gonna be a Deadpool reference there. But oh and oh, sorry. uh sorry. Yeah. so speaking of mirror, um and diegetic Music, which is always a fun thing to pull out. One thing I noticed this time, um, is that I need to stop saying um there is an original song at the end of the film, uh by Skylar gray It's called Everything I Need, which I think is a beautiful song, and I love the way it's sung. And like this is what, usually when I get to the end of the film, I'm like, I'll fast forward see if there's post credits. I do not fast forward that song. I really like that song, but it's also used non diegetically You hear that at, during that big, giant battle at the end that Justin doesn't like, um, where they kind of cheesily pause and then, like, guess in the middle of the battle, which isn't very realistic, but whatever. Oh, and then I have, also, I have that called out in my notes. That kiss too. I really hope we get there. Also, okay, sorry. Keep going. When they uh, when I should when they when she steals the boat. And she's sitting at the front of the boat and uh, the bow, if you will, and playing a a <laughs> flute, <laughs> nautical terms, um, playing a, a a playing a flute. She's playing that song, and I caught that. This time. I was like, that's that's kind of cool. I like to see when they interplay those two things. Uh, but the, obviously, the, the greatest example of diegetic music in this is when Topo, the octopus, is playing drums um, before the battle, of the Ring of Fire. That's that's freaking. Oh fantastic. my word.
0: Okay, if I had a nickel for every time that Craig mentioned this octopus playing the drums, I would have three nickels, which isn't a lot, but it's not a lot of nickels, but it's a <laughs> lot of times he mentions this octopus playing it's, drums. I mean, that's
1: the movie in a nutshell. You got an octopus playing drums. We're just I leaning know, every, into the ceiling. Every silly.
0: time I'm like, oh, I hate that movie. He's like, there's yeah. an octopus playing drums. I'm like, uh, yeah, but okay, cool. That's, I don't have issue with that. I just don't care. Like... Uh, Little Mermaid did it first,
1: I suppose. Well, this, you know, this is comic book thing, so this happened probably earlier than a uh, Disney movie, but whatever. Um, I also, I like, and I know some people don't like hearing Pitbull's Ocean to Ocean, which borrows heavily from Toto's Africa. I thought that was great. It just cracked me up uh, that we got to hear that, because they went to Africa, and then they're playing that song. You but know, someone cool- in a
0: boardroom was like, guys. A little, little on the you know nose. What song we can do. There
1: you go. Yeah, but dude, what's cooler than Black Manta' is armor making montage with Depeche Mode playing? Mm. It's no good. That's just oh, it's a great song, and it's just ah, oh, it's,
0: it's just that all the it's cool fantastic. parts of this movie are ruined for me by the stupid things like Black Manta. I couldn't get over the feeling that I was watching like the '90s Power Rangers. And like those, you know, at the end of every Power Ranger episode, there was always the scene where like the giant monster attacks the city and they have a giant battle over the city. That mm. was Black Manta to me. He just seemed like the giant monster at the end. The way his suit looked, the way he like stomped around and his cheesy little voice, was and so, stupid little it was one-liners.
1: great. It was so good. Uh, it's comic accurate. He's going to be the big bad in the next movie. They set him up perfectly. Let's do it. That's not a perfect setup. That's a terrible setup. Oh, it's so good. It's so bad. Well, we'll get the characters soon. Um, okay. I'm jumping ahead here in my rage. Let's see, let's see. For vocal sounds, I had that there's op- there's opening and closing narration, which I thought was kind of a cool way to do it, rather than just a crawl, having him kind of all very very poetically talk about things. Except for really nowhere else does he narrate any part of it. So just the beginning and the end. Why? This, I don't know. This, is this he is telling this
0: story to someone? He might be. They just don't ever build on that anywhere that's, else. That's
1: kind of how that works sometimes. And then I, I actually really like the. Uh, I think it's a pretty subtle effect. The processed voices underwater while they're talking. I thought that was just kind of a cool. I did like subtle. That, that was. That was pretty that. neat.
0: So the the you kind of mentioned this earlier too, but in terms of sounds, mm-hmm. just generally the Atlantean tech. I thought was really neat sounding. Um, I'd like to know how they made a lot of those sounds. Yeah. I'm trying to be positive here. I, I, I I'm hear do, you.
1: I'm doing my best. So we're going to go ahead and slide down to performance. Um, I think go. it's, I think it fits Justin. I think they're all a little silly, but I think it fits with what it's doing. It just. Thoughts. Goes
0: back and forth so quickly. Like, I just feel like I get emotional whiplash from how quickly they change the tone through their performance. Like, I know in the Sahara scene, they're trying to do like a a quippy, witty, like I hate you, but I love you dialogue between Mara and Aquaman. But it's just, it's too much. It's too quick. And they both just seem like they're reading off script. The chemistry, that they produce through their dialogue is so bad. It like hurts me to watch. Like I've seen middle schoolers flirt better than those two. It just hurt. And for okay. two very attractive people, they should really just be better at that. Waste of okay. talent. Wasted. Okay. All right.
1: Well, that, that's certainly an opinion. Uh, You know what's fun? Did, we need Corey here to, to break I, these type of am bounce it up. Well, yeah. see, yeah, we did, again, we did Blade Runner and you weren't here, which I, I'm still sad to. And we may just have to just, re, just redo that movie again, just so you can just talk for an hour about how great that movie is. And that's, that's kind of just how this went. I was trying to defend some people that didn't like it, but it's okay. Dialogue. Justin, do you have any dialogue that you liked from this
0: film? There were a couple of lines. I feel like Corey's always... Man, I miss Corey. I think I'm saying this too much. I I know. He'll be back Um, next time. There were a couple lines from Arthur himself that I thought were really cool. Uh, One in particular was when he is leaving Black Manta's father to die in the sun. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, you can't just leave him here. And Arthur says, you killed innocent people. You can ask the sea for mercy. Which... I would like to see that concept explored more. I was excited to maybe see that more where like the sea is like this force of nature slash God to these people that possibly mm. has some sort of decision making ability. Um, I thought that was neat. I thought that was kind of a cool line. If I was Aquaman, I'd come up with all sorts of quippy remarks like that right before I killed people. Um. I do, this is kind of kind of mixed dialogue with the soundtrack, but I feel like there were times where the soundtrack overwhelmed the dialogue. Maybe it was the sound on my TV. No, because I watched it on two separate TVs. Um, but there were times where I couldn't super hear what they were saying because the music was overwhelming, which was a little disappointing. I had to go back a couple times and, and re-listen or watch with subtitles. Um, and then you mentioned earlier, did you say there were four? Four different times. Four yeah. different times? I also you, counted four. You want me to run like them off Why? Why sure write yeah. the end of a conversation when you can just explode one? Yeah, exactly. So the first That's, one...
1: It's the J.J. Abrams school of filmmaking.
0: Yeah. So the first one was in the house at the beginning yep, Tom, with the mom. Tom Curry's house. Yep. Um, I know there was another one when they were in the Italian city when they were done looking through the glass bottle.
1: Yep, the second there was one is one the, in Atlantis. Yep, the second one is the Ormnerius conversation, uh, where they're looking right. at the statues of the old um, kings and whatnot, and then where the sub Mantis sub yeah, the Manta sub yeah. Council of Kings where they blow that up. Uh, the third one is where Volko is explaining the history of Atlant's Trident in that underwater um, sunken ship. You us an exposition on that, and then of course Manta interrupts the. They're about to kiss after they figure out where they're going with if they look through the bottle. Yep.
0: So four times. Right. Four times.
1: Yeah. It's a little extreme.
0: A little much. I'll take More one. Much. Maybe two. Maybe we could have gone with two. At least we didn't have four, fake though. deaths.
1: But Yeah. Um All right, I'm, gonna throw the, I'm gonna throw out this I see. I really like again, that whole sub-sequence is just amazing at the beginning.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: when he breaks in, breaks down the door and says Hurry up. I'm missing happy hour for this. It's just what a great character beat. Like, that's who this dude is. Like, he's doing it because he can, but not necessarily because he wants to.
0: Okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. I I think he's got like a really strong starting character of just kind of like, yeah, because he can. But I don't feel like they take him anywhere with any of his dialogue they don't he doesn't present enough motivation I don't believe that he
1: wants to be king I don't well, believe he, he has a reason to be king he doesn't want to be king that's the whole thing he's forced into it I Why? I, see, I,
0: I, I don't even think he has enough of like a force driving him he doesn't seem don't. to care about like Atlanteans or humans like what? what is he doing
1: Justin Craig. Well, he has to. Well, he, he clearly cares about his dad, at least. So he's got to stop. You know, he's got to stop the surface world from being destroyed. The only way he can do that is to get the get the Trident. Something, something. J- trident. Django Fett can take care of himself. He's fine. He's fine. He's an old man in this one. So yeah. See, this is one of the lines I pulled out where he, he, he sees it. He's reunited with his mom, and and she says to him, "You're afraid." And he says, "Yes." And she says, "Good. You're ready." And then he goes into that cave and he has, it's very much the, and we'll get to mention sneak preview of our hero's journey thing. It's the apotheosis. He goes in and he, the death and rebirth thing where he's basically has to face the fact that he is, you know, kind of worthless in his own eyes. He's this half-breed or whatnot. And basically, says, yes, this is who I am. I will own who I am. And at that point he's ready. And that's when he comes out with a suit and great reveal. Music swells. He well, probably didn't can we like talk that about part can- at all.
0: Let's see, so when good. are we talking about the suit? I need to talk about the suit. Well, we can talk about it now. All right. So, the suit. Yeah. The very first time we saw Aquaman, I believe it was in a post-credit, no, was it in a post-credit scene or was it when Bruce Wayne is looking through
1: the files and sees a little video clip of Aquaman? So, it's the file that Bruce sent to Diana on, so she's That's, checking her email. Yeah. yeah. I know. That was Should have been cool. post-credit. Should have been a post-credit like, scene, but yes.
0: Aquaman has a really stupid uniform, or a really stupid suit. Like, I mean, the comic Aquaman. What are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that on screen? It's going to look dumb. So when I saw Aquaman all tatted up in like a Islander style tattoo, Mm -hmm. but almost in the style of his suit, I'm like, what a wonderful interpretation. This is awesome. You can make this guy look super cool and still be somewhat true to the comics. And I was just, I was happy with that. That was cool. But then they give him his suit. And it looks so stupid. No, it's so bad. They're like, hey, let's make some
1: shiny CGI fish scales. Uh, Why does that have to be CGI? How do you know that's not? They don't actually make that. It's because he's got like a,
0: like his head is real and then it's like bobbles around on his suit. It doesn't match up in some scenes. It's like the Photoshop that I do in like 20 minutes. (laughs) That's what it looked like. Oh, it's uh. so bad. Even that that whole end battle between him and Orm, when they're both just CGI bobbleheads on the CGI suits, like spinning tridents at each other.
1: Oh, it's bad. It's so just, bad, it's- Justin. You gotta relax, bud. It's it's a fun movie. Again, you didn't like Ragnarok, though. So I'm just Man, gonna bring to be- that into this. I need over to be nicer.
0: <laughs> also, why would- we keep calling it a trident? It has five.
1: It has yeah, five points. It's a pieces. quindant. It's a Quindit. It's a Quindid. Yeah. Stop calling it. tried it. But yeah, I, that, that's a thing. So, body language, facial expressions. Look at that awkward segue. Uh, back to the opening thing. Uh, in, in the sub, that one dude punches him and he just tilts his head, smile, and the guitar comes in. So cool. Um, but he also plays like the imbecile. I love that when Mira calls him imbecile and he has that look of like, huh? See, he's well rounded. I love this movie, Justin. I'm sorry you don't don't enjoy it, but I'm sorry too. I'm sorry I wasted my time. And then Patrick Wilson as Orm, his face when, when his mom shows up at the end and he's just like I think that it speaks volumes in that in that moment, where he's just regret and confusion all at the same time. See that he's like, I was just trying to, you know, do the right thing, but man, I was wrong. I do think but he I'm did still not a quite office, ready to regret. as Orm. Yeah.
0: He's he's been in a couple other films, uh Phantom of the Opera and Watchmen. And uh I didn't feel like he was he was alright in those films. I think he this was probably his standout role
1: from what yeah. I know of him. Oh yeah, he's great in Watchmen. We we absolutely have to do Watchmen on the show because yeah. it's so many good things to talk about. Do love Watchmen. Do. You so you didn't like Aquaman's suit. You didn't like Manta's comic accurate suit. Ocean Master orm had it a, has also comic accurate suit. I thought that was don't fantastic. Like nope. See, let's let's talk about comic
0: accurate suits. Comic accurate suits do not translate well to the big screen. Very very rarely do they transfer well. Um like you need this movie s- they
1: translate it excellently.
0: I don't I don't think so. For example, like if you take so Captain America in the first Avenger film Mm-hmm. I would say his suit in that one is fairly comic accurate. But it looks, it's probably, in my opinion, his worst suit, because it's comic accurate. But every other suit he has is fantastic. They modernized it. They made him look, for example, in in the first Avenger, he looks like a World War II soldier. The way it's set up with uh, like the material use is fantastic. It, it looks like it could exist in the real world. Like It's very down to earth. And I and a lot of other movies do that. I think Batman's really good at doing that. Uh, Superman's new costume is really good. Like it has a function. It has a purpose for existing the way it does. The the Flash's costume in Batman vs. Superman, um, where it's like kind of like held together by like wire or whatever is holding it together. It had like a purpose and a function. Whereas Aquaman's suit, they it doesn't have a purpose or a function. It just looks weird. They didn't it's explain cool. this is why his suit looks this way, Superman's suit looks that way as a symbol for for hope. like it was it was like the it was yeah. like his family's house suit, which which was great. This one, I the the tattoos, I thought, told the story. The, but you put the yellow and green suit on that I feel like it
1: didn't tell the story for me. So what I'm discovering, Justin, is that this movie's kind of a Rorschach test because it's revealed what your preferences for comic book movies are. Oh, certainly. It's really, it's really, it's really that. I respect is, that I, people like this movie. We, that's no, a, I don't. That was a lie. I don't. <laughs> we need to bookmark that and save that for later, though, to really just kind of dig into what, what are the things that we really are drawn to, and what are the things that we're not. Which, which keeps going back to really kind of one of the purposes of the show, though, too, is like, can you still find things that are of merit? or have meaning, even in a film that you don't overall enjoy.
0: Yeah. And we talked about this briefly, but the purpose of this podcast is not to be critical of films, which I think sometimes I take it in that direction. And I don't mean to, but I do like to make fun of movies, even though I love them. The purpose is to find deeper meaning. And I just don't think there was deeper meaning here. I don't (laughs) feel like I don't. I don't say that to be like mean. I just don't think the filmmakers created it with deeper meaning in mind. Like there was not a moral or a theme. Oh, okay. I. I that's that's what hurts me. It certainly has cool parts. Okay. Certainly has great little bits of acting. Certainly has great bits of cinematography. But overall, it's like, what are we doing here, boys? Like, pick a lane. Pick a lane. So
1: I'm gonna. I'm gonna piggyback on what you said earlier about. Being critical. I think we could even uh, dig in a little bit more and say it's no, we don't want to criticize, but we do want to be critical by looking at it with a critical eye is what I mean by that. So, Can I just be a jerk? Yeah. I'm going to do both for this movie. (laughs) So I'm going to, okay. So I'm going to slide down to to studying design so that we don't go completely off, off the rails, because I do think there is speaking of intentionality, because I know it's kind of hard to see sometimes in a movie that you're just not, invested in which is fine because i think that happens a lot for me too like i emotionally react to movies like i like this movie immediately or i don't and generally it's like i'm just watching this and as long as it ends well i know i'm gonna like this movie if it doesn't then you know i won't this one i just bought in from minute one was all over and bored sounds like you weren't and that's totally fine um but one thing i thought was really cool is as far as set decoration goes in the house. I, I love the house. I love the lighthouse. It's very cozy. I'd like to take a nap on that couch. Uh, there is oh, that does seem one, nice. sh- one, one shot where they, they zoom in on the uh, the snow globe. And it's sitting on a book. I don't know if you notice this or not. Uh, it's the Dunwich Horror, which is an H.P. Lovecraft short story, which is about a half-human child, which Arthur is. And so little Easter eggs like that and also, this, this child ultimately has supernatural abilities and has a potential for evil, I thought was an interesting kind of where could this go question, but also like, hey, if you're paying attention, go dig deeper into this. And of course, as a ELA teacher, English language arts, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to dig into this and find out more about that.
0: Didn't Didn't pick up on that? Thank you. I now that you mentioned that that snow globe scene though that was I thought kind of an interesting shot that they did as it zoomed in on the snow globe and then used the snow globe as like a stand-in for the passage of time mm-hmm. as uh, you know they fall in love, but then it just brings me back to the inconsistencies. Man, I'm just in a bad mood with this movie. <laughs> is they they do that cool like little effect, but they don't ever do anything. In that same vein. It's just like some intern had a really cool idea and they're like, yeah, let's throw that in and then never never did anything oh, similar. Oh, see, I
1: think they did that multiple times. They're, they do that with the flashback when he's standing on the this is a little bit cinematography stuff, but uh, he's standing on the cliff looking down by, with with Mira and they're about to jump down to go get the, the sub or whatever. Uh, and then the camera pans around and it changes who's actually standing on the on the cliff and it turns no, into a flashback right. where it's young Arthur and Volko. And they did that a couple of times where I thought it was an interesting visual way to do that. Did this with the story of the trident and that origin as well, where I just, it felt again, it felt like the camera was constantly moving. And I know some people can look at that. Well, it needs to sit, sit still so I can pay attention to what's happening. Maybe it's a trick. Maybe it's a cheat. What have you? I liked it. I thought that was, was interesting. No, you're
0: right. They, they did do that again. Okay. I, I take back that criticism. You win. (laughs) Uh, But while we're there talking about that shot, where Volko uh, is talking to young Aquaman, Aqua, Aqua preteen, yes, if you will. Uh, Okay, Willem Dafoe, fantastic actor, right? So good. Yep. Wasted in this movie. (laughs) Completely. Oh my god. (laughs) No. Mean. No. He's so good. Wasted. Yes. Uh, Fantastic actor. Not his fault. But. No, because he's great. It. Okay, okay. So Willem Dafoe, let me let me start off. Great actor. Yeah. Obviously not like a conventionally attractive person. Like he's he's rough on the ice. <laughs> Bless him, I love him, but yes. like he's he's not he's not the leading character okay. in a lot of movies for a reason. Yeah. Digitally de-aged Willem Dafoe yeah. is the poster child for Uncanny Valley.
1: Like I didn't think it was that
0: bad. Weird. Oh my word. I, I thought Tamora Morrison's terrified. was
1: worse was worse than his. And <laughs> I was actually surprised Nicole Kidman had it because I thought sure hers liked to look pretty stinking good.
0: Yeah, I thought I thought Nicole Kidman, uh they probably didn't have as much work to do with Nicole yeah. Kidman. <laughs>
1: She's done enough of that um, on her own.
0: But uh yeah, yeah, Django Fett, who I'm only gonna refer to him as that. Uh Django Fett's was strange simply because he had hair. I'm like this dude. <laughs> this dude should not have hair. <laughs> like <laughs> that's but, true. Yeah. Maybe
1: he didn't have to go it. Yeah. Uh, He's great. He had, though, he had a lot right? of
0: CGI sunset lighting on his face throughout the film. Beautiful. I think, I think about half of the CGI sunset scenes were with him. So that adds to the weirdness. But no joke, after watching the movie, I had a nightmare of Willem Defoe de aged. That guy <laughs> is super creepy. Oh, I did not uh, like that. Too okay.
1: smooth. Hey, uh, speaking of random stuff, um, did you see the Annabelle doll in the in the trash when they get the Get marrieship. ship in there when they pull away from it. It's kind of fun. That's a James Bond uh, film. I did Gaundry. not see that. No. Yeah, no. it's fun to do another Easter egg, and you maybe maybe Easter egg and looking for meaning there. Maybe not not quite the same thing. Anyway.
0: Speaking I of the like- ship, we're just gonna jump from tangent to tangent
1: here, Craig. Yeah, let's do it.
0: They're on the ship, right? They're they're on the boat. Aquaman is gravely injured. Uh, so she puts you know kelp or whatever on him to heal him. Great. Yeah. He's healed. Um, it's magic. But then they continue to be on the ship to travel. Why? Why stay on that ship? What? Why? They're. They, no. They're heading they're to ar- the place where they have to go d- and dive down. They're Atlanteans. They can swim super fast. I understand being on the boat okay. when you're wounded, but why are you still on
1: there for a long time? The CGI is expensive, Justin.
0: It is expensive, which brings me to my next point. There are several <laughs> scenes where they show that boat sailing on a CGI ocean, a CGI boat on a CGI ocean, and often with CGI sunset. Why these are you so things, prejudiced
1: against CGI, Justin? That's Because what it's I don't bad get.
0: CGI, and these things <laughs> exist in real life. They could have just put <laughs> a real boat on real water and filmed it at sunset. What? Huh. Oh, Justin? What?
1: Quick, quick question Ooh. though did all right, did did you like She Hulk? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're done with the CGI, just like that. Oh, uh, oh
0: man, the hypocrisy that just uh, is just
1: exposed. Oh,
0: because they had a
1: they had a standard woman that could have easily. Okay, um, oh, yeah. Okay. okay, I love Jason. Okay, I'm going to move down to characters. I love Jason Momoa in this. Yes, yes he's playing himself. That's what's part of the fun. Um. Lum Defoe, we mentioned him. Patrick Wilson, we talked about him, he's great in this. Uh, it's nice to see Dolph Lundgren. Anytime I see Dolph Lundgren, I'm just like, yeah, you go, dude. Keep being in movies. Cause he's cool. He's a guy from my childhood. It's great. What was he in your childhood? Uh he's Ivan Drago, Rocky IV.
0: Oh, see? I must break
1: you. Yeah.
0: Dang, dang, I am I'm just like feeling so yeah. young. Here's the thing. Oh, Craig, I got so many connect every time you bring something up, I have something negative to say. The hair. That dude's hair. Like he had pretty red facial hair, which looked pretty like normal and natural. And then he yeah. has like this fake head of hair, but his facial
1: dude, hair was the right you color. Can car- yeah, you can have multiple Yeah. It's
0: Nobody has that color of hair. Same with Mara's hair. What is going on? They're
1: Atlanteans, on dude. It's no, it looks like movie.
0: somebody took a marker and just kind of <laughs> went to town on her hair. I think it's perfect. It's, it's so bad. It's, it's so great.
1: No, uh, Yaya Abdul Mateen II as David Kane is great in this. I think he's menacing. I think he's fantastic. I I did like him. I thought he did. A, yeah, he's good. I thought he did a good job. Um, it's great to we didn't mention Nicole Kidman. I think she's she's pretty solid in this. Randall Park is not in this a lot, but I love Randall Park. He just makes everything a little bit better. He plays. Uh, Stephen Shin in this, and yeah, I believe he's in the uh, yeah, next Yeah, Jim, one. Jim from the Office. <laughs> yeah, good of you not to notice. Good, um, good, good for you, dude. John Reese Davies. Look here, you have John Reese Davies as the voice of the Brian King, and again, that lends to the uh, final battle being very Lord of the Rings. Uh, and then Jaimon Hansu is the as King Ruku of the Fishermen, and he's always great, even if he's barely in this movie. But the best best voice. Uh, actor in this entire thing, or the most interesting fantastic one, is that Julie Andrews plays the Carothan. Mary Poppins herself. Oh! I, I'm, not the, I'm not the first one to say it, but I'll be, the, I'll be the most recent to say it, is that it's amazing that Mary Poppins Returns came out the same time that this movie came out, and she chose to be in this movie instead of that one. Wow. 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 Okay. Wow. <laughs> No, wow, that's wow, that's wow. great.
0: I did not.
1: Mm. Yeah. She's I mean yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty great. That that's it lends some it's interesting, with her voice being you know, that that timber, but lends lots of gravitas. Huh, I feel actually, like I need to go creature. watch that scene again. It's a great of scene. All the people you could have gotten for that. Well, that's that's an interesting one. It's a way to go, but it, I think it worked. Yeah, yeah. So um I think this fits Hero's journey pretty well. He's a reluctant hero. I think there's a transformation I mentioned it before with the apotheosis going into the cave and accepting his destiny and coming out I'm fully on board with that, I know you think <laughs> that seems cheesy, but
0: it it is, but no it fully fits with the hero's journey um A lot of that aspect of it, and it's it's like an it's an old trope, so i'm I'm not criticizing for that if it, it it was I went into this knowing that the hero's journey was very similar to, like, The Lion King, which seems like a weird comparison, and I kept trying to draw parallels between the two movies. And there's not as many as I wanted, which I was really disappointed in. Oh, uh, that would be an interesting paper, actually, to write on. Yeah. No, I, I, I tried it. It, it. It's not. There's, like, nothing else there. <laughs> I, I spent a long time trying to trying to draw parallels. It's
1: uncle, brother, yeah, there's some yeah, things. Yeah.
0: Really just, like, hesitant king hero's journey stuff. That's about it. It's Hamlet, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. It all goes back to Shakespeare.
0: Greg, <sighs> just, just, I feel really defeated after your She-Hulk <laughs> comment. I just feel like I can't criticize this stop movie on anymore. The,
1: just no, you can criticize it. Just no, the CGI no, thing no, because is. I did
0: like She-Hulk, and I know
1: That's basically no one CGI. did, and it probably it cost... Was, production was cost was more than this movie. Yeah, um, but I. You know. So world building, I mentioned before that. One of the things I liked about this movie is that it's basically a standalone. There is a mention of Steppenwolf, and uh, so you know it's a sequel to Justice League. What I also appreciate very much is that both James Wan, the director, and Jason Momoa have come out and said, this movie is a sequel to Zack Snyder's Justice League, not the atrocity that was released in theaters in 2017. Zack but what's funny thing about Justice League, which is not considered canon. Oh, but it is to this. Oh, uh,
0: DCEU is a mess.
1: <laughs> no, no, see, but it's also that... Yeah, see, we, I don't know if we talked about this off, off mic or not, but The Flash actually references things from... The Flash movie references things from Zack Snyder's Justice League as well. So yeah, yeah. The, the, regardless of what the head honchos at, at Warner Brothers have said, the filmmakers who made films after that incorporated elements from it that were not in the other movies, so they by themselves made it canon. Whatever, it's coming to an end. We know that that's... I love
0: CEU. I'm rooting for it, but it is it is a mess.
1: And I, I hope they can fix it. Well, as we said, the, the second movie, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, is coming out. It's Friday. And uh, I'm excited for it because I'm pretty sure it's going to be a lot like this one. I've enjoyed the trailers. I'm pretty sure it's going to be a very much like what this one. Most of the people are back from the first movie. Uh, we'll fill, hopefully, like a natural sequel to this. That probably makes you less excited for it. Which is fine. But I'm excited for it because I know it's it's not gonna build toward anything else, but I don't care. Because this one didn't really build toward anything else either, other than the second Aquaman movie. Yeah, we can we can enjoy standalone movies. That's fine. That's a yeah, fine that's thing a, to do. You know, yeah, small yeah, little tangent there, but I mean that seems to be one of the biggest criticisms I've heard from a lot of movies recently. It's like, well, it's not setting anything up or it's going into a dead end. It's like that didn't used to be a thing we cared about. Yeah. You know, I think it, we've it just was come okay. to expect
0: that with comic book movies, but yeah. DC is doing a really good job of. You d- you shouldn't always expect that, like like the Joker. We don't if that even fits anywhere at all, or the Batman with uh, the vampire Twilight fellow. Um, yeah. yeah, we don't even know if that connects to anything. Probably doesn't. That's totally fine. Standalone yeah. movie,
1: great. Yeah, or like you mentioned, the Nolan movies. Like those had a beginning, middle, and end, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And that's not mm-hmm. like. Well, it should have continued with Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character. didn't need to. Like, that story is over, and those movies can just exist on their own as just fantastic movies. Yep. I would have liked more, though. But I'm happy with where it's at. Yeah. So, um, final thoughts on Aquaman, Justin. Oh. don't say cgi don't say cgi don't say cgi uh, i
0: can't anymore you took away my <laughs> cgi with the she-hulk comment i'm done i'm done i've lost all credibility um no i don't No. she-hulk is a moot as a tv show that's different budgets different no it's not a different budget though that's different expectations mm. different expectations mm. um listen I tried. I really tried. I by my third watch, I, I I liked it so much more. Um it has redeemable qualities and I understand why some people like it. Um but the inconsistencies like I just I can't get on board and like I said, I think twice now. If we're searching for deeper meaning uh through intentional actions done by the filmmakers, I don't feel like this movie had a lot of that. And I just can't. I can't. I can't do it. <laughs> okay. It's fine. <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: I- I You're still my friend, Justin. I forgive you.
0: All right. Thank you.
1: I love this movie. It's completely rewatchable for me. I will continue to enjoy it even after the DCU comes to a close. and Bring on the sequel. I'm ready. Let's do it. I'll
0: watch the sequel. Not with you, though. I'll watch an angry old man in my basement by myself. (laughs) (laughs) Or I can yell at the TV in silence or in in
1: solitude. So as we close, we just want to say thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on X and Facebook. Email us at readingbetweenreels at gmail.com. Use the SpeakPipe app on our website. If you enjoyed the show, please tell a friend. Support us by writing a review on your favorite podcast catcher. And one last thing, our next episode will be a discussion of our top five favorite movies. Only ones we like are we going to be talking about.
0: In which there'll be no discussion of Aquaman
1: because it's not top five for anybody. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. I'm done. That was the end. That's fine. Uh, So send us an email or voicemail with your top five favorite movies and we'll share it on the next episode.